Hey neighbors, Adam here. If you didn't know, My Neighbors Are Dead has a Patreon where you can now find weekly bonus content only available to our patrons. Want to hear interviews with our guests and their connection to horror? How about commentaries on the horror films we're currently watching? Patreon is a place for all that and more. So if you want to support the show while getting yourself exclusive bonus content, head on over to www.patreon.com slash my neighbors are dead. That's www.patreon.com slash my neighbors are dead. Thanks for listening. And now on to the show. Welcome back to another episode of My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock, and we're all familiar with the big names in horror, Freddy, Jason, elves, and dragons, but who we're not familiar with are the ones just outside the terror, the ones who didn't get to tell their tales. And I don't know if I tell this tale very often on here, but I have a degree in theater. It's a minor in theater. Don't, I'm not trying to be braggadocious. I have a minor in theater, and I loved my theater program. Uh, Jerry Jablinski was a teacher of mine, and he was one of those teachers that really he just impacted my life. He left a he left a very memorable mark on me. Just a wonderful teacher. And I kind of want to think that everybody who went through theater school or some theater program had that exact same experience where you come out of it a better person than you did when you went in. And I didn't even have to go through a massacre of the, everybody else in my program where I had to somehow justify and come to reconcile the fact that they died in front of me. I'm glad I didn't have to go through that. But I'm also glad that I learned about somebody who did. I went to Times Square in New York to the Olive Garden. And even though I'm a Carabas guy, I went to Olive Garden. And I found out what that experience was like from this week's guest. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock, and this week I am coming from what is no doubt one of the most fun places on earth. I am in New York City in Times Square at the Olive Garden, and this week I am joined by Cassandra Serenity Leopold. Thank you so much for joining me. You know, thank you so much for having me on the show, especially mm-hmm. because, you know, and I'm really making this big press push right now for my new musical that's about to open here on Broadway. And I'm just so happy that you would let me come on and promote here on your show. Well, that's yeah. Let's tell everybody who's listening. You are a Broadway performer. Yes, I'm a Broadway performer, a Broadway producer, mm-hmm. um, any really anything here on Broadway. I just fit myself directly into that role. Well, let's tell the people who are listening, what is the show that you're so excited about? So my show that's about to open is called um, The Swarm, and it is a musical based on my personal experience, um, sort of uh, becoming a part of the zombie population, in Mm -hmm. a sense, um, in London in the breakout in 2002. So just for clarity for everybody listening, uh, Cassandra, you were a an exchange student, a theater exchange student over in London in 2002. And you were there, you were there doing theater. Yes, absolutely. I was there to hone my craft. And especially, you know, in the birthplace of our Lord and Savior, uh, William Shakespeare. And to be there to really soak it all in. And I actually was only there for, I think, about three weeks before uh, tragedy struck. And how long is a program like that intended to last? Oh, oh, an entire school year. 
Okay, so you're very, very early on in your in your exchange program. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, I think for me and everyone who would have, uh, you know, benefited from our, our interactions. So what um, what were you working on? Because I've never I, I've never done anything like that, and it seems very exciting. Like, like what a great opportunity to go somewhere else and study your craft with maybe you know people who maybe do it differently than you. What were you working on before the outbreak happened? You know, that's funny that you should ask that because I was working primarily in the Shakespearean space. That's why I was there. Mm-hmm. I was there um, and I was hoping to become one of your, you know, first and foremost Shakespearean actors. I wanted to be at the Globe. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be performing sure. these older works. And I actually had never even thought about musical theater um this was really an awakening for me is what i'm trying to say i think it's really amazing that uh, again i keep saying it almost weekly that everybody that i get the chance to talk to really kind of takes lemons and makes lemonade you found something positive in this horrific thing that happened to you and i don't know if a lot of people could do that yes well you know Fortunately for me, I did survive and not a lot of people did survive. So Mm -hmm. they couldn't have, you know, um, gained the experience that I did. But I was very lucky to be there in the space that I was in, theater specifically, because I was able to use my theatrical training to... uh, assimilate into the zombie population to to us to an extent and just for clarity how many people were in the program when you went over so in the program already at the school i believe there were about um, 35 students in the program and then in the exchange there was 10 of us from the united states and i am the only one who did survive this experience that was going to be my follow-up question how many people came out of it and Just you. Oh, just me. Just me. And I would, you know, I would say to anyone who might be listening to this and thinking, oh, those people must have lacked the the talent to properly assimilate. And I would say no, 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 no. Um, Mostly, I think it had to do a lot with um, cardio. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I came... As with a runner's background. So really, I had a leg up. So you've made the transition from running into theater, uh, which, again, you know, I've taken a movement mm-hmm. class. Absolutely beneficial. Absolutely crucial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So talk our bodies me- are our tools. Yes. 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 Yeah, so, so that kind of leads me into, into my next question. So take me through this. You keep saying assimilate like they weren't talented enough to assimilate, which is not a term I've really heard. Often it makes me think of maybe method acting, which again, I know nothing about, but what does it take to assimilate in that situation that you find yourself in, in an outbreak of a zombie outbreak? Exactly. So I think the first step is to observe. You have to see what it is that you are going to try and in and habit. Sure. Um, both physically, um, vocally, is very important as well. Um, and, and and culturally, mm-hmm. you have to sort of see what is what is the zombie 
culture like? Yeah. Um, and this is not something that has been studied before. It wasn't as though I could go to the school <laughs> library and do some research. Look it up. You yeah. have to observe these things in their natural habitat, um, consuming human flesh in the streets and then learn how to inhabit that space as well. Well, I was just going to say, you know, you, you refer to it as culture. And I think that's really neat because unlike every other culture I've ever experienced, I have never had the, just the gut reaction to any other culture to be like, I need to kill this person or I need to kill this thing without learning anything about it. I've never felt that with anything else. I guess I never really took the time to appreciate, Hey, they're coming from a place too. Exactly. And there is some you you see in these zombies sort of like the base of human drive of the human experience. We all have base needs. And one of those yeah. needs is to eat. And, you know, I don't know what exactly it is inside of us that tells us, oh, no, 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 don't don't eat each other. Um but we can, and we can overcome that. Some people have. Mm -hmm. um, I I know that previously there's been someone on the podcast who was pairing wines with uh, human flesh. So I know that there are people uh, yeah. who have overcome whatever that is. But it seems in this particular, um, you know, virus-infested culture that we do overcome that and that it becomes something that we are driven towards. And you have to find, yeah. that's the thing about acting is that you have to find the motivation. Uh, yeah. You know, I, it, it seems to come up on this show more than I thought it would, but people really can really get past that barrier of, of want of not wanting to eat other people. People can really seem to, to break through that. I mean, in this specific instance, it does seem to come at the cost of um, literally everything else that makes a person a person. But, you know, they they that's what they need to survive. And yeah. they are going to do whatever they need to get that thing. Um, and honestly, I see it as natural mm -hmm. in, in a way. So if I'm understanding this correctly, I think. You know, you're over there. This terrible thing happens to you. Instead of letting it, you know, get you down, 44 of your friends and colleagues were were massacred. You okay. took it and you made it a tool. You made it an acting tool, which I think I, I mean, again, I admire just the, the constitution a person would have to have to do that. Mm, yes. You come back to the States. What does it look like for you? How does you how what is your vision of your career now that you're back in the States? This horrible thing just happened. You have a tool that you never thought you were gonna have. What do you do from there? Well, from there, my first instinct was uh to write the next great American novel. Um, and that didn't actually go so well. Mm -hmm. My I, I farmed it out to many publishers. I, of course, everyone knew who I was, right? You arrive back. You're one of the only people who has survived this terrible, terrible thing. And A everybody hero's wants to know. Yeah, exactly. Everyone wants to know how. How did you do it? And so I wrote a novel and I took it to all of these publishers. And um, I got many different replies ranging from too soon to uh grotesque um and it makes a person feel it makes a person feel 
downtrodden in this industry. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I think anybody listening to this who is a creative person or who, who, you know, is driven to the arts, I think you have that passion, that light inside of you, whether it's a band or, a, you know, you're a painter or you're somebody who survived a, a, a tragedy and you're like, I need to monetize this now. I need to get on top of this. It sucks to have somebody crush that flame in you to, to just kind of tell you no. I mean, that's what this business exactly. is. But yeah, I, I so to stick to it, I think, is is admirable in and of itself. Thank you. Thank you. I did. Um, after I wrote the book and the book was not published by anyone, I did then decide that it would make a fantastic motion picture. So I did adapt that book into a motion picture script. And I did uh, also option that. And that also didn't go directly in my favor. Um, a lot of the criticism around that one was that the main character uh, was not very likable. Mm -hmm. And that the main character would... Um, sort of embody the worst possible qualities of of the human experience but uh you know i i i was downtrodden yet again but i knew that i could pick myself back up because um i i survived a zombie apocalypse and i can do anything did you ever think about you never thought about quitting you never thought about Boy, this has been too tough. Maybe I'll go to therapy or I'll, you know, just give up acting altogether. I I don't, you know. You know, the only hard times I had um was when I did I I did very much run out of money at one point. And it was heartbreaking for me. Yeah. I at that point I thought, you know, I'm just going to have to go and get a regular job. Sure. And the <laughs> I mean, look at me. I couldn't possibly get a regular job. Oh, and so don't say that. I, well, thank you very much. You're very kind. And so I did reach out to some lawyers who had been trying to contact me for quite some time. Mm -hmm. um, and they were able to uh, sue the school that I was at in London um, for not properly protecting me, even I'm though I did survive. I mean, if um, the United States is nothing if not litigious, Cassandra. So I think, again, you're just playing the hand you're dealt. I think that's the smart move. Exactly. It is not as though I sought out the lawyers of my own accord. They sure. came to me and said, we might be able to get you roughly $50 million yeah. from this lawsuit. And how did that and turn out? How was your relationship with those lawyers? What did you do with the money? Um, well, I, as I said at the beginning here, is that I am a producer here on, on Broadway. Um, I don't know if you were very familiar with Spider-Man, the musical, um, but that was, that was me. A lot that of people died me. on that during that production, did they not? You know what? I have seen a lot of death. No, I, I you know, I mentioned any, uh, yeah, any, any producer I would imagine has seen a lot of death. 
But, you know, it's all part of the, you know, it's all part of the game, Cassandra. You know, like you're in this thing and like right. people people see People magazine and they think like, oh, that's all it is. It's all glitz and glamour. It's all Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. And, you know, they don't see the underbelly. They don't see the real actors and actresses and producers and directors and the people right. who get their hands dirty, who survive zombie apocalypse and watch everybody die in front of them to make the thing they want to make. Exactly. And I, you know, the first thing I did was I did start a theater company, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first thing you do. You get $50 million and then and then you start a theater company. And I really wanted to focus with this theater company on a lot of the tenants that I had learned while living amongst the zombie population. Mm -hmm. That was drive. Just pure, unadulterated drive. Yeah. And cardio. So those are the two pillars of my of my theater company. Yeah. Um, and it seemed fitting to resurrect my project. Yeah. As I mean, one it's... would be resurrected by the zombie virus. Oh, sure. I mean, why? What yeah, I think if that you know, you can think about quitting and you can think about, you know, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to law school. Or I'm going to do something, but I think the project, the, the art is always, it should always be alive. And I admire you for never letting that, that, that not be the case. Yes. And I have received, uh, several death threats, um, in the wake of my announcement of this show. Yeah. But I believe in it. I think this is a story, again, as I was saying earlier, you know, this is, uh, zombies are nothing if not our base human instinct. Yeah. And what is it that we learn about through theater if not the human condition? I mean, you know, John Lennon said the Beatles were bigger than Jesus and they got death threats, Um, you know, I'm sure other people have gotten death threats too. I, I, I'm mm -hmm. not going to tell you that I haven't sent some death threats. I'm not going to tell you that I have mm -hmm. either, but I get it. Exactly. And I, you know what? Bravo. The, the spirit of Thespis is alive in you, Cassandra. And I, I admire you. Thank you so much. It really does mean a lot to me. We do have to get out of here, but I'm curious, you know, you've been through a horrific experience. You made a tool of it. You know, I'm not, you've learned to assimilate you've been you've been given death threats you've been kicked in the face with mud for your dream how's it affected your personal life since coming back from london i think you know personally i am thriving honestly um i have learned to connect with other humans in a way that i never thought i could connect with them before mm -hmm. um i do i do want to make sure that everybody knows that i I did not consume any human flesh uh, during this time, which no matter what the tabloids say, I don't want I don't want anyone to have any misconceptions. I never consumed any human flesh, but I did drink a little human blood. So what? Exactly. I mean, I had to put I had to assimilate. Yeah. I had to assimilate in some in some degree. So, um, you know, Becoming a part of that culture for mm -hmm. me, the the sort of uh, blood drinking culture, 
um, has really enriched my my life. And I'm really I would never I would not exchange the experience I had for anything. I only can wish for myself that I would have a little bit of that drive and that just self-assuredness that you have with with the swarm in my own career. Because I think everybody listening to this, whether you're a performer or whatever you do, I think you can find value in that. Thank you so much. Everyone come see my show. Tickets are $275 um, per half of a seat. Oh, so you have to, you, do you, do people just buy half seats or can, do, can you can buy half of a seat and sort of, uh, become, uh, one with the person who bought the other half of the seat. But isn't that what but theater I do. is? Isn't that what theater yeah. is, Cassandra? Like getting exactly. to know the people around you? Especially in the swarm, you have to feel the, the human body heat. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, come to New York, see the swarm, see Cassandra Serenity Leopold. I mean, take her out for a glass of blood, you know? Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming by. I look forward to seeing the swarm and congratulations again. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to My Neighbors Are Dead. I'm your host, Adam Peacock. The show was produced by myself and Nate Dufort with Ryan Counts House with editing done by Nate Dufort. Original music was composed by Jesse Case with additional music by Dane Halverson. And our artwork was done by Mark Nishan. I want to thank Sequoia Thomas for coming by and playing Cassandra Serenity Leopold. If you want to find out more about Sequoia, check out the podcast, but make it scary and fanatical flicks in where to find them. If you like the show and you want to support us, go to www.patreon.com slash my neighbors are dead, where you can find new weekly bonus content only available to our Patreon patrons. If you have yet to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, please take a second to do so now. It helps us grow and it helps new neighbors find the show. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at My Neighbors Are Dead and on Twitter at My Dead Neighbors. Stop by, give us a follow, and share your favorite episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Screw it, screw it. We're just gonna talk about comics. Do you like comic books? Do you like brothers? Do you like brothers talking about comic books? Then this is the podcast for you. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. Will Hines and Kevin Hines, performers from the Upright Citizen Brigade Theater and actual brothers, talk about actual comic books they love, like Spider-Man, The Fantastic Four, and many more. If you prefer your podcast to be about fictional people talking about fictional books, this isn't it. But otherwise... Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Campfire.